Welcome to the Money Insights Podcast, where high-income earners come to learn wealth-building strategies that will take them from high income to high net worth. With your hosts, financial and wealth-building experts, Christian Allen and Rod Zabriskie. Welcome into today's episode of the Money Insights Podcast, where we talk all things money and business. My name is Christian Allen. I'm here with my co-host, Rodney the Pods Zabriskie. Rod, what's up, man? Hey, glad to be here. And I have, uh, as I often do, I have a little aside, but it's actually apropos to the conversation today. Mm, so it's a good don't word. worry. Don't worry too much. Uh, okay, but here's the thing. It's spring, right? It's even late into spring. So even in Utah, we're getting more consistently warm days. We're probably still a, a week or two from actually planting like the garden, but we're in planting stages. We are going to have fresh tomatoes again this year. The peach tree has already bloomed and, and we're going to have some fresh peaches. And Man, look at you go. What's interesting is, so with, with the topic, obviously, we're, we're going to talk about budgeting and things like that. And I won't say that we even do it as much to save money on groceries because it probably doesn't actually work out to be that way. But number one, it's really good to be out in the sun. And number two, I you can't get the kind of tomatoes in the store as you can grow in your own yard or peaches or peas or whatever so you it's guys just amazing rod you're like the all-american family right I, i've never grown anything i mean <laughs> when i was growing up my family did but like since then ooh, there's been no growth so if you could rod i do appreciate a well-grown vegetable uh -huh. so yeah. if you could please uh feel free to send some up north to me Sweet sound good deal. yep okay so you alluded to it today our interview was with jesse Firon, and jesse's a financial coach author and um, really she's like a professional budgeter. Yeah, and, that's right. And budgeting is like, for me, it's like a curse word. Like I hate budgeting and yet, and yet I also have to acknowledge the fact that it is important and needed in some context. Now my budget consists of spending far less than what I make. That's my budget. Right. And for some people that works, right? So at the end of the it's day, critical. that's like the core, right? Yep. Yep. Um, that's how it works for me. But I also realized that a lot of people could use a little bit more in-depth style budgeting. And even if you're a high income earner, which most of our listeners are, like it's every bit as important for them as it is for anybody else. So Absolutely. while this isn't the most interesting, like pure topic, it's it is a really critical topic. Absolutely. So Rod, tell us just a little bit um about Jesse Fearon and her background. Yeah, so she uh, she lives in Georgia, and you, and that'll come through in, in her accent. Uh, but she actually, accent. yeah, she actually graded, graduated in accounting from Kennesaw State University. Uh, but she'll say it herself, like just knowing numbers didn't necessarily translate into the budgeting. It was more about life experiences and things like that that really brought the two together. So I've, definitely the accounting side helps and comes through. Uh, but really, it was just life experiences where she realized, hey, we need to get a handle on this and and not let, let not let our money control us. We need to be controlling what we're doing with our money. Well, and then she took it to the next level and she started to apply it herself and then teach it to other people and has yep. become, you know, really prolific in teaching people how to do this. Um, I like the title of her book. So she's the author of Getting Good With Money. And then this is the subtitle, which I really like. Pay off your debt and find a life of freedom without losing your mind. So that's a really important caveat. Yes. So the nice thing about Jesse is she's going to help us learn how to budget without losing our mind, if that's even possible. It's possible. 
She's going to do it, right? Yep, she's going to do it. Okay, awesome. Well, without further ado, here is Jesse Firon, author of Getting Good With Money. Okay, we are very excited to have on the Money Insights podcast with us today, Jesse Firon, who's the author of Getting Good With Money. And I really like the subtitle, Pay Off Your Debt and Find a Life of Freedom Without Losing Your Mind. Jesse, we're super excited to have you on the Money Insights podcast. Thanks so much for being on. Well, thank you guys for allowing me to come on. Our pleasure. And I already have to say, I just love the Southern accent. So like, I feel like we're <laughs> friends already. I hope that's okay. Of course. <laughs> okay, Jesse. So why don't we start by, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your background and how you became so passionate about um, budgeting and personal finance? Um, absolutely. So um, it was the year uh, 2013. Uh, my husband and I, we had one small child who had just turned one years old and we were pregnant with our second child. Literally started 2012 pregnant and ended it pregnant. Was it? <laughs> was not planned. <laughs> you know, sometimes things don't go sometimes. according to plan. Um, and so um, we realized very quickly in uh, the early part of 2013 that we were just simply not going to have enough money to allow for me to continue to stay home with two small children um, with, you know, diapers and formulas. And we just, we weren't even managing our money at all. Um, we, we weren't communicating well and we were being crippled by a mountain of debt. Um, mm -hmm. Everything from credit cards to my student loans to the car that I was driving, it was absolutely weighing us down and crushing us financially. And so that realization of that I was going to have to go back to the corporate world, which in of itself wouldn't have been the end of the world, but paying mm -hmm. for daycare for two children under the age of two and fighting Metro Atlanta traffic was going to be a nightmare. It was going to create this lifestyle that my husband and I didn't want for our family. And so it forced us to come to terms with this and to decide to make some changes. And so at the time when we decided to become debt-free, no one was talking about it. Um, I hadn't even heard of Dave Ramsey yet. Um, you know, so nobody was talking about it. There wasn't this hashtag debt-free community, you know, all over social media or any of that. And so we were very much so like the weird ones in you know, our friend groups and even online. And, um, you know, so we didn't have a lot of support structure around us, but we really decided to make all these sacrifices in order to pay off our debt. And we managed to be able to pay off um, just over $55,000 of consumer debt right before our third child was born in 2015. That's amazing. Yeah. So, and, you know, like I said, it was through a lot of blood, sweat and tears, but you know, that for me is what sort of challenged me to um, try to help others to achieve this same success as well, because I felt like there wasn't a lot of people who were um, living like us. And, you know, at the time my husband was making just, just a little bit more than $47,000 a year. And so we were trying to live on a relatively small income and keep me home and growing our family at the same time and trying to obviously keep food on the table. And um, so I just wanted to help others who are in a situation like us who maybe are looking at other people who are now millionaires or who have a huge income and they feel like it's not attainable. I wanted them to see a real life family that's like, no, it is attainable. We've did we've done this. You can do this too. Okay. So I love that because you're talking about how it's attainable even on a even on a relatively small budget. Well the people that you're talking to right now generally have quite large incomes. Like most of the people that listen to us are high, high income. But one of the things I've noticed is that high income does not necessarily mean a lot of extra money, a lot of extra cash, right? So 
uh, it's not uncommon to see high income earners also spend a lot of money. So I think this is a good this is a good a good timing and a good reminder for our listeners that even if you are a high income earner, there's more to it, and you can do so much more if you'll if you'll focus on some of these things. And I got to tell you, I'm maybe the worst budgeter alive. <laughs> my my goal, and I, I do a good job of it, but I spend um, a lot less money than I make, but that's like the extent of my budget. So I'm kind of excited to jump into this and start to get some like, you know, tidbits so that I can go back and I'll give them to Heather because I'm not good at budgeting, but Heather <laughs> will help me do the budgeting and we'll really make something of it. Okay. So sorry for the tangent, but Tell me really quick, what are some of like maybe the hard lessons? Because I know you've talked about your personal experience, but what are some of maybe the hard lessons you had to learn, um, you know, about money? Like what are some of those difficult situations you found yourself in that maybe changed the way you were thinking? Um, well, you know, I, I, we discovered very quickly that money doesn't grow on trees. <laughs> I know that sounds obvious, but you know, um, so we had a savings account. Okay. So we had a little small savings account, had some money in there and we thought we were doing really, really well because, Hey, we have some money in savings. And in fact, at the time we were like the only people we knew that actually had a savings account with actual See? money in it, you know? You and I mean, the thing is that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm from the white collar world. So I left a you know corporate career as an accountant to become a stay at home mom. So a lot of my friends are all six figure earners. Um, and so, you know, a lot of them didn't even have savings accounts either. And mm -hmm. so we thought we were fine. And then my husband fell out of a two story window and oh, shattered his oh, uh, dominant hands uh, wrist as well as his opposite elbow. So he actually couldn't use either arm. So he couldn't go to work for about, I think it's about four weeks. He couldn't go to work at mm -hmm. all because he's a construction oh. guy. So you can't swing a hammer when you can't use either arm. And um, so it quickly wiped out our savings. And so that experience kind of taught us that it wasn't just enough to have money in savings, but you have to have a strategy behind that savings plan. Because if you just have money in savings, but you have no plan for if and when that money gets used, or if even that money is enough, it's simply not ever going to be enough. And so, mm -hmm. you know, even now with inflation rising like it is, my husband and I actually just had a conversation a few weeks ago that we need to up the amount we currently have set in our liquid savings account because we realized that even though it's a six month emergency fund, what would survive six months two years ago is not going to survive six months now. And so now we're having to, you know, revise the budget and up the savings. Mm, I like that. So you are a brave person and go ahead and publish your budget for the world to see. <laughs> um, but I, I guess I'm just curious, like how you've managed to go from the philosophy of being, you know, being a good saver and, and again, you know, you, you talked about this drastic shift in your own life, but how did you change from, you know, moving to the philosophy, the budgeting and savings important to like the practical application of doing it? You know, it, it is funny because, you know, being an accountant, you understand that like managing your money is important. You know, you've got to know where the dollar and cents are. You know, we're nicknamed bean counters for a reason. Right. Um, but the actual tangible part of managing money is hard because we have to take into account human behavior. And so a lot of times we can feel restricted by our budgets because the, we're trying to actually follow what someone else told us to do. We're following what someone else told us was important or we're thinking that I should be including this and this and this and my budget would 
maybe that's not important. You know, maybe it's not important to your kids that they're in 17 extracurriculars, you know, every single school year. Maybe that's not important. Maybe the only thing they want to do is baseball. They don't want to do all these other things. And, you know, so we have to kind of come to terms with ourselves and our own ideals and our own sort of dream, if you will, and ask ourselves, are we living someone else's dream? Are we, is our money going to the places that we want it to go? Is it benefiting our future selves? And is it actually helping our family or are we just sort of going through the motions? And for us, that's where it changed. It came, it started to change from the sort of cold, you know, like, oh, we do this, you know, rudimentary thing to no, we're doing this with an intention and a purpose behind it because we are building something better for ourselves in the future as well as our, for our family. Awesome. So what, what are some of the like budgeting or financial tools that you think people should be using? Like every family should use this. You know, so I am like a pen to paper person. So I feel like I'm the old grumpy grandma when it comes to technology. <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't want to embrace new technology. What are you talking about? Um, you know, so I, everybody always has their own different opinions. And, um, you know, we've used a variety of different software, but I've always just gone back to, you know, my notebook with a pen and a paper, um, just because that makes life easy on me. And it's easy to grab to talk to my husband about the budget. Um, so but the reality is that people just have to figure out what's what works for them. Because honestly, if I was a single person, I would either use my notebook or use an Excel spreadsheet, but Excel makes my husband want to cry. So <laughs> trying to show him a spreadsheet would just not work for him. Um, so you have to figure out what works best for you. And so I think the best tool for the job is just the one that works for you. Okay. That's fair enough. Uh, so I was recently having a conversation with, uh, with one of our clients at an hour a week to budget and keep up on things and track and whatnot. Well, he said an hour wasn't enough. Right? Then we're, when they were first getting started, figuring things out, understanding where they had been and, and then going from there to where they want to be. Um, but he said that now that they've been doing it for several years, it doesn't even take an hour. It might be you know, 10, 15 minutes is plenty for the two of them to just sit down and, and know where they are and, and you know, have a quick conversation about it. So uh, I guess the, what I'm leaning to is what's What's a good way for people to get better with the plan and get, get started even with, with planning for their money for their future is, yeah. I mean, it, it's just like you said that it is hard when you first sit down to do it, you know, and I, um, I always have recommended that people sit down and do a spending review, which is going to take some time because you need yeah. to go through at least the last three months worth of transactions from everywhere you spend money, whether credit cards, debit cards, wherever, and actually see where your money is going. Because if you're just swiping the cards and not paying attention, then you don't, you don't have a clue and you don't know where you could potentially save and make room for the things that are important in your life, whether that is, you know, saving money for an emergency fund, retirement, or going on vacation. You can't make those decisions until you know how it is that you're spending your money. And so I would definitely set aside just like, you know, an afternoon one day, like on a weekend or a couple of hours when you get home from work, or just even through Throughout the week, setting aside an hour each night and going through transactions and categorizing them and then figuring out from there where you can start cutting expenses. Because that actually, you know, if you are married, it brings up important topics of conversation to have with your spouse on, hey, you know, we're spending so much on all these streaming services. 
but we're not using them. We actually had that conversation last year about Netflix. Netflix was raising their price again. And I realized I was like, we haven't watched Netflix in several months. You know, mm -hmm. we've been watching all these other streaming things. And so I'm like, why are we still paying for this? But it brings about conversations that are easy to have, especially if you are married and you're in like kind of a not so great place and you tend to fight about money. Um, it kind of just brings in just like a tool that it's not, you know, it's not going to you know cause a fight because you're just simply saying like, hey, you know, we're paying for this. So what do you think about possibly getting rid of this to save some money? Hey, sorry for the interruption. Just wanted to let you know that you can take the F3 assessment right now over at moneyinsights.net. And after the short five minute assessment, you'll get specific recommendations that will help you move from high income to high net worth. Enjoy the rest of the show. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. And you said start with three months. Uh, yes. and, and I think that's that's awesome. The thing that always snuck up on us was like, oh, whoops, we have that once a year thing. And so maybe as you're as you're considering that, then think about some of those and some of the, the bigger ticket items like insurance or, or things like yes. that that. Some of us pay them monthly, but sometimes there are things that we just, you know, knock out once a year. And so uh, making sure to pick out those things, I think, is is big. So, Jesse, tell us a little bit about how you structure your personal budget, because I, I actually went on and looked at it and and it looks like and I'm not going to give away everything, but it looks like there's a lot of categorized things that are that are planned for. It's almost an answer to Rod's question in the sense that we have this category and we make regular contributions to that so that once, anyway, talk a little bit about how you're doing your personal budgeting. Um, well, one thing that we do is we use what we call sinking funds and sinking mm -hmm. funds have drastically helped us. Uh, my husband is a spender, so he likes to spend money. Um, and so, but you know, and for me, if it was just me, there was nobody else in my account at all, I could just keep all the money in my checking account and it would be fine. I would have it earmarked on a piece of paper and it would be fine, but that doesn't work for our marriage. So we have sinking funds, which depending on the purpose of the sinking fund, it can be either a separate bank account or just an envelope that's got cash in it ready to, to spend. But one of the things that we do is that we contribute to these sinking funds. And so say, for instance, car maintenance, your regular car maintenance, batteries, tires, oil changes, whatever. We just have a line item in our budget that's for the auto sinking fund. And um, it's $75 that gets drafted automatically to the sinking fund. But that way I don't have to always have in my budget uh, or I don't have to all of a sudden plan suddenly like, oh, my car battery is dead. I've got to go pay $150 for a car battery. I don't have to worry about that. It just comes from the sinking fund. And so that's how we structured our budget is mostly around these sinking funds, which were regularly occurring expenses that would wreck our budget when they happened. Um, they were things we should have planned for, but didn't always necessarily plan for, or at least planned very well for. And so that's how for us, we got started in figuring out what categories to even have in our budget. Hmm, I like it. Sinking funds. That's the secret. I actually think it was a great, I just think it's a really great idea. Um, cause I think it is difficult for people to plan for, especially for the bigger ticket, ticket items or emergency situations that could come up. Um, Christmas. okay. Christmas. Yeah. See those, <laughs> yes. those crazy, yes. like unexpected life events like Christmas. Um, okay. So inflation's kind of a hot button issue right now, Jesse. Um, and I heard you kind of address this on another podcast, but with inflation being what it is, what are some ways that people can like fight it in their own personal world? Well, um, I, I don't know about other people, but I know for us, uh, groceries are like 
insane right now. Mm-hmm. Rod um, doesn't have that problem feeding <laughs> like 10 kids in his family. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's insane. And so um, I'm going to kind of stick a little bit with just the topic of groceries. Cause I think that that's, that's great. pretty much that's hitting most of us. Um, you know, for me, one of the best things that you can do when it comes to trying to fight inflation is to make sure you're buying food you actually eat. Like right now is not the time to, you know, get excited about that, you know, thing that's on the corner cap in the grocery store that you've never heard of before. You don't <laughs> even know if you like it. You know, now is not the time to get, you know, distracted by all the shiny new things. Stick with the basics, stick with the things that you and your family actually enjoy and like to eat. I highly recommend that you just take some time this weekend and write down a few meals that you your family actually enjoys and that you can make relatively easily and always keep those ingredients on hand so you can make them. Um, Another thing is to try to find ways to offset the increase. Um, I like to use um, uh, apps like Fetch, Rewards, Gas Buddy, um, Get Upside, all of those. Those are fantastic ways of being able to try to help offset some of this increase that we are all seeing, Um, you know, because, you know, um, I actually had this conversation with someone who lives in California. They're saying that they haven't seen a rise in produce prices, but where I here in Georgia, I have. And part of the reason is because I'm here in the South and we've had a very cold spring. And even though I live in a farming state and in a farming community, cold springs mean that the crops are not going to yield what they normally would. And so we are Um, seeing that increase in produce here as well. And so, you know, you need to try to build yourself a modest stockpile. I say modest, (laughs) please don't hoard. We don't need any more panic hoarding. (laughs) We don't need that, but just, you know, a modest stockpile of like two weeks worth of food of non-perishable things that would help your family or your neighbor or someone else in your community. Um, You know, if certain items go out of stock, you are fine. You're going to be fine and you and your family will be fine. Mm. Yeah, that's good advice. So I want to switch gears just a little bit, Jesse. I want to talk about your book. Um, (laughs) And I mentioned to you like that I really like the title, but tell our listeners like what can they expect? What are, what is the book about? Maybe what was the the impetus behind it and what are some things that that people can expect to get out of it? Well, uh, the purpose of me writing my book was actually for me, for the person I was in 2013. I was, you know, college educated, once upon mm-hmm. a time accountant who honestly felt stupid. I felt stupid. Like here I am, I'm a well-educated woman and I can't manage my own money. I literally went to school <laughs> to learn math and money and I can't manage my Still own money, you know, Crazy. exactly. And I just was like, I just want someone to tell me what to do. Like, I don't, I, like, I didn't understand because I could, didn't understand how to make sort of the formula, if you will, the template work for us. And so I wrote this book as a way to help uh, people understand that managing money, it is a tool built and how you pick up the tools and use them is going to be different than how I pick up the tools and use them. But here's a practical way to sort of plug and play and figure out how to get the basic mechanics of managing money to work for your family. And so it is a practical guide all through the various different stages of uh, managing your money and starting that process of really, truly building solid and good money habits. I love it. So it's like it's like a view into Jesse Firon's life and how she was able to, I say it third person, but you get the point. <laughs> okay, so Jesse, you're also a financial coach. And um, in addition to being the author of your book, but like, what does it look like if somebody wants to work with Jesse Firon, the, the financial coach? 
Well, I haven't done financial coaching in a while, only because I'm now homeschooling okay. my kids because that the pandemic, oh, you yeah. know, changed everything. So I actually am now homeschooling my children. Oh, but cool. yeah, but back when I did one-on-one coaching, one of the first things I would have people do before I had them um, come to me is I would have them go through the three-month spending review, mm-hmm. and then I would have them write down, okay, give me three priority expenses expenses outside of obviously your rent or mortgage and your utilities, you know, and your food, but three priority expenses that are important to you that you would want to keep paying for, even if things got tight, what would you want to keep paying for? You know, for some people it's private school tuition for other people, it's vacations. Um, some people it's organic groceries or whatever it may be. But for me and for my clients, it was always very important for us to define clearly, okay, what don't you want to give up? Because then it's easier to be like, okay, but all this other stuff can go. This stuff is not as important as these things. Mm, That's good. So do you think people, this is kind of a tough question, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Do people need a financial coach or should you be able to do it yourself? I mean, you know, I, I think it's, it's a little bit of both. Like some people get stuck in their own head and they, they don't know how to get out of it. Um, and that can become very paralyzing. And so a lot of times people need someone to come along and just sort of grab their hand and kind of help them walk that path. Um, and then of course you have people who are not coachable, people who are stuck in their own head or going to be stuck in their own head and don't have any interest of getting out of it. And then you have other people who, um, have the tools available to them to be able to get out of themselves and act actually start seeking the help they need and then act and taking action upon it. Hmm. So it's really a matter of just what works, right? What works Exactly. Exactly. That makes sense. Okay. So before we wrap up, um, Jesse, tell everybody where they can go to find out more about you and where they can go to get your book. Um, because I guarantee that there's a lot of people listening who need some serious help in this category. Like I said, just because it's a high income earner, just, you know, budgeting does not come naturally to most people. No, so, it does not. <laughs> anyway, I, I know that there will be a lot of people who will be interested in finding out more about you and um, getting your book. Absolutely. Well, the book is available everywhere that books are sold, including Target and of course, Amazon. Um, and I, you can find me at my website at jessefieron.com and on Instagram at jessefieron. That is awesome. jessefieron.com. There's all sorts of good stuff. I went on there and was able to get like a really, really great look into um, the things that Jesse's doing. So go to jessiefearon.com. Make sure you get her book. Jesse, it has been super fun to have you on. We appreciate it so much and we'll have to have you back sometime. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys. Thank you for listening to the Money Insights Podcast. To learn more about the financial and business strategies discussed in this show, please visit moneyinsights.net. The views and opinions expressed on the Money Insights Podcast are not intended to be individual financial, tax, or legal advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making financial decisions. And if you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This will help others find the show and learn wealth building strategies for themselves. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.